one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Welcome in, everybody, episode eight. Dale Earnhardt, Jr. With the podcast, Assuming America, the Air Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. People, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is having a great day. And for the second straight day, it is a reactionary podcast to all things college hoops. So if you're subscribed to the pod, you already know, on Wednesday, we dropped the Tuesday night reaction Talking UConn stunning loss to Creighton, some bubble stuff. We really hit on a lot of different topics. Well, today we are reacting to a crazier Wednesday night in college hoops. Kentucky losing at the buzzer to LSU. Uh, the Alabama-Florida thriller. By the way, Indiana. My guy Mike Effett Woodson. Is he already on the hot seat? We are going to discuss all of that. Uh, and it'll be a quicker show today. It'll be about 20, 25 minutes reacting to the Wednesday night college hoops, taking a lot of your questions about Kentucky, about college basketball, about the brackets, about all sorts of good stuff. Should mention, by the way, if you're not a huge college hoops person, Friday, we will get back to a normal Aaron Torres pod. We'll probably talk some college football, the playoff. They're already trying to shake it up. They haven't even started the 12-team playoff, and they're trying to change it. We'll do Aaron right, Aaron wrong, all of that. But today, a quick all-college hoops reaction. Kentucky, LSU, Duke wins, Indiana, etc. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're talking all things college hoops. Appreciate your support. We'll be right back. Welcome in, everybody, to the Wednesday night College Hoops Recap Show, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to discuss. You can see my hair here. It's a little bit messy here. As Kentucky was just stunned at the buzzer, a putback by LSU at the buzzer as time expires. LSU beats Kentucky by one point. Uh, it, it was unbelievable, and we have ourselves so much to react to here on a Wednesday night, okay? So quick rundown. We're going to talk LSU-Kentucky. We're going to talk Mike F. and Woodson. My guy, things are not going well. There is so much to react to. Duke rolls that Florida-Bama uh, overtime game. There is a ton to react to. We will run this on our Wednesday and Thursday Aaron Torres pod. So if you're not subscribed on Apple, Spotify, make sure to do so as well. Also, should mention, make sure to drop your comments. I will get to all of them at the end. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. What an insane, insane, insane end to that LSU-Kentucky game. So everybody come on in. Uh, this is the Wednesday night college hoops recap. And before we get to everything, I actually, I teased this on the Wednesday morning show, Tuesday night recap. We do have ourselves a major announcement, and that is that we have ourselves a new partner. For the rest of the college hoop season, want to welcome in BetUS Sportsbook. We so appreciate BetUS and everything they have done for us and will do for us between now and the Final Four. BetUS is running one of the best offers going, the best offer. I take that back. It's the best offer going right now 
online, anywhere you could get. It is a, they will match up to 125% of your deposit for your first three deposits. Explanation link is in the show description. Thank you to BetUS. Again, a 125% match on your first three deposits. Courtesy of our new partners, BetUS. So excited to be working with them. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into a wild Wednesday in college hoops. The Kentucky LSU game has just gone final. And I'll be blunt. Um, you know, I like to prepare. I like to do my homework. I like to be uh, ready to go. But this is one, it just came down to the wire. I am reacting in real time. I don't have a lot of notes, don't have a lot of time to prepare. Again, make sure to drop your questions below. But we do have a final at the PMAC as LSU at the buzzer. It was a missed shot that was put back by Tyrell Ward at the buzzer, giving LSU a 75-74 win over Kentucky. For Kentucky, just when you thought, Things had finally changed. They had finally turned a corner. They were good to go. They just beat Auburn at Auburn. Everything's going good. They're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. No, they go ahead and lose on the road uh, to the LSU Tigers. So let's go ahead and dive in. Let's start with this. Is that last night, if you listen to our Tuesday night recap, I told you, I said this was such an important game for the University of Kentucky, okay? So you're coming off the win at Auburn. It is unquestionably your best game, your manhood has been questioned, the best defensive effort that you have all year. This coming Saturday, you have Alabama at home in a game that, frankly, you can get yourself back into the top of the SEC standings. And on Tuesday night show, Wednesday morning on the Aaron Torres pod, I said that LSU was the kind of team, this is the definition of a trap game, big win, big home game on Saturday, and this is the type of game that you can lose. LSU, they finished, I believe, with two or three SEC wins last year, but Matt McMahon from Murray State, he is a good coach, and they retooled over the course of the offseason. This was a team that has significantly improved from last year, 13-12, and 12. don't let the record fool you, even in their last four games coming into this one. They just beat South Carolina and their three losses before that. At Florida, which is really good. At Tennessee, Alabama at home. And so I said they're veteran, they're experienced, they play defense, and if you do not come out to play, you could have problems. And so essentially, listen, I can't take full credit because if you go back and look at this game, there's nothing else to say other than that it was just a weird game but again, I hate to say it, this is what you get when you have a young, inexperienced team. The emotions of the win on Saturday, the emotion of what is to come at Rupp Arena this coming Saturday, and it was just a strange game. Kentucky starts out hot, Antonio Reeves can't miss, then they fall down, then they go on a 16-0 run late in the first half going into the second half. You think they're in control. You think they're going to get this win. You think they're going to have some momentum going into the Alabama game on Saturday. And instead, it just fell apart. And there is nothing else to say from the Kentucky perspective. There's two things, really. One is Rob Dillingham. We will get to him in a minute, and we will certainly talk about LSU. If you're an LSU fan in here, you're probably pissed off that I'm leading with Kentucky. But listen, Kentucky is the story here. And you look at this game. 
And you want to know what the difference in this game was? The difference in this game was that Kentucky reverted back to who they were defensively over the course of the early part of the season. Listen, we talked about this on last night's show. When you go back and look at the Kentucky-Auburn game, Kentucky wins 74-59 to in that game. And in that game, everybody says, oh, the defense just has to be a little bit better. They won 70-59, to excuse me. The defense just has to be, no, the defense won them the game at Auburn. And so what I have been saying consistently was the defense, can it be consistent? It doesn't have to be great, but it's got to be better. Well, look at what happened on Wednesday night at LSU. You're up. You're in control. You're up by nine and a half. You go on a 16-0 run. You give up 48 points in the second half. That's just not good enough. That's just not going to get the job done. And so from the Kentucky perspective, I do think there are some positives, and we are going to talk about them momentarily. By the way, the guy that runs our tours on LSU pages texted me up the you-know-what because he's fired up right now. But I bring it up because with Kentucky, you don't need to be great defensively, but you just can't have a 20-minute lapse like you did in this game. Now, I understand. The refereeing was not great, and that is what a Kentucky fan will tell you, and I don't even necessarily disagree with you in this game, okay? LSU shot 13 more foul shots. They missed nine of them. So Kentucky goes 12 for 12 from the foul line. LSU goes 16 of 25. So if LSU was making foul shots, this game would have been probably over earlier. But of course, the counter to that is that, uh, you know, if, if, if Kentucky was better defensively, this wouldn't have been an issue. Listen, LSU is not a great offensive team. There is not an excuse for the defensive effort that you had tonight. And let me also say this. I thought it was a regression by the players. By the way, make sure to drop your comments below. We'll get to some of them momentarily. I thought it was a regression by the players. I'll be blunt. I thought it was a regression by John Calipari too. I thought on Saturday, he did a very good job against Auburn. Tighten the rotation. We talked about it on the Monday show. We talked about it on the Wednesday show. Tighten the rotation. Played seven players, essentially, at Auburn. Played the five starters, Thierro, Anienzo, uh, uh, Antonio Reeves, Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham. That was it. Aaron Bradshaw didn't play. Big Z didn't play. They played, I think, a combined four minutes. Well, you look at this game, the rotations got all, they were just got all, all wacky. A lot of Jordan Burks, Aaron, Aaron Bradshaw, and Anienzo uh, late in the game playing together. I just don't get it. And so if you're a Kentucky fan, you have every right to be frustrated coming out of this game. Now, what I will say, there is a positive, and that is that you got a guy named Rob Dillingham on this roster. Now, a couple things. One, first of all, I still think you just put this team in a single elimination bracket. They can play with any. I mean, they've proven they can play with anybody. They just won at Auburn. They've beaten North Carolina. They played with Kansas early in the year when they didn't have a single big guy on the roster. And I do think if there's one positive to come out of this game, you have several dudes that can just take over games individually. Rob Dillingham was incredible down the stretch. He had that scoop and score up and under, you know, three point play that, you know, that put them in position to win this game. To their credit, they get the defensive stop. 
If I'm going to blame Calipari for stuff, I got to give him credit. He went offense for defense late. They got the stop. They got the ball to Rob Dillingham. He gives them the shot to take the lead. You can't blame a team for a buzzer beater. And I do think if there's a positive late in this game, you know what it was? It was pros versus Joe's. It was pros versus Joe's from the perspective that like essentially, you know, Calipari just went full NBA of we are going to give the ball. Uh, you know, we are going to give the ball to our best player. We are going to let him make plays. We are going to let him cook. And so I do think if there is one positive out of this game, it is that you still have dudes that can just take over games late when you need to. But the defense, it has to be consistent. Now, the good news is you still got two, two and a half, three weeks left. You don't have very many road games left, although you do still have to play at Tennessee. But you look at this weekend. First of all, it starts at home if you're Kentucky. Because remember, Kentucky has lost three straight at home. Well, three of four. They want, they beat Ole Miss. But they've lost three of four. They have to win this game on Saturday against Alabama. Not because for any SEC stand, but like for momentum, for whatever, for this, for that. So I don't know what else there is to say, but, but it is a frustrating, frustrating loss for Kentucky because you had a chance. You were in it. You had momentum. I don't know what else there is to say. This game should have been over with 15 minutes to go. You 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 were on a 16-0 run in the early part of the second half, and you just completely gave it away. It's frustrating. I do think if there's a positive, it is that uh, the offense was on fire. I'll tell you what, Matt, because I'm guessing we probably have a lot of probably Kentucky people coming in. Are there any Kentucky-related questions we can get to before we get to the rest of the show uh, if not, we can go ahead and get to some other topics from Tuesday night. Maddening finish from Benjamin Patrick. Does this loss say anything about where Kentucky is right now as a tournament team? No, I don't think it says anything about where Kentucky is as a tournament team. What I think it says is it's the positive and negative. The positive is you can, there are just going to be nights where on any given night, you can just completely take over games. Just, you have guys, you have two, three guys that on any night can completely take over. By the way, if there's any positive at all, it's that DJ Wagner, who I still believe in, he's he, he has his moments. Zero points today. So there are positives, and I don't think it really reflects in the tournament, but I think what you want is any degree of consistency. That's the part that's frustrating. You get the best defensive effort of the year, on Saturday against Auburn. And I i mean, I can't sit here and say it's the worst defensive effort, but 48 points in the second half to LSU, 45% from three from them, nine of 20. It's like, my goodness, you have to be frustrated if you're a Kentucky fan. Matt, before we move on to the rest of the night in college hoops, any other questions? And we will get to more questions at the end. Hell of a shot made by UK to take the lead. Listen, Rob Dillingham was that dude tonight. Okay, listen, and, and you know, he is so, like, I don't even know what else there is to say because early in the game, he was killing him. He just was missing open shots. He wasn't looking good. And then he just gets hot. He takes over. He gets to the rim. He had that step back three that the refs thought was a two. Shout out to the refs, by the way. You know who was the real MVP tonight? Real MVP was the monitor because the refs kept going to it. And the refs had no idea what was going on. They missed a, a, a clear block that they called a goaltend. They missed a clear three that they called a two. Just It was just a wild game, and I get it. This is part of having a young team. It's frustrating, whatever. 
Matt, do we have one more? Because I do want to get to some other stuff. Big part for me hurts our chances at the SEC double buy. That's the frustrating part. Ten, Alabama was so vulnerable today, okay? You win this game. You beat Alabama. You are one game back of Tennessee and Alabama going into the final two weeks of the season. Obviously, now I think it eliminates an SEC regular season title. Uh, I don't want to start trying to do the math on a double buy <laughs> at the SEC tournament. You got to finish in the top four, obviously. Right now, you're eight and five tied with Florida for the, the sixth spot, technically. Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Auburn ahead of you for the four spots, for the top four spots. Again, you still have Alabama this weekend and Tennessee, but that is frustrating. Tell you what, we'll get to some questions at the end. I do want to get to some other topics, though. Um, and if you're a Kentucky fan, because we just wrapped talking Kentucky, because when people see this breakout clip, they're probably going to sit there and say, Torres, what the hell are you talking about? If you're a Kentucky fan, there is one saving grace on Wednesday night. At least you're not an Indiana fan. Well, there's really two saving graces. At least you're not a Louisville fan, but at least you're not an Indiana fan as Indiana falls 85 to 70 at home to Northwestern. You know that Indiana has now lost four of their last five at home. Or they lost to Nebraska, excuse me. They've lost four of their last five at home. They have lost to Penn State at home, Northwestern at home, and uh, tonight, Nebraska at home. And what I will say is this. You guys know I have a very checkered history with my guy Mike Effin Woodson, but I will tell you there are whispers, maybe it's just on the internet, there are whispers that Mike Woodson might not be around for very long. Okay. And so quick backstory here. Indiana loses on Wednesday night, 85 to 70 to North, uh, to Nebraska. Excuse me. I keep saying Northwestern. They lost to Northwestern over the weekend. And for people who don't know the long lineage, the long history of Torres and Woodson goes back to a magical time called the spring of 2021 when Indiana couldn't find a head coach. And when Indiana eventually settled on Mike Woodson, I was very critical of the hire. Okay. I was very critical of the hire because I just thought in the NIL portal world that we were entering, I didn't really know that the way you wanted to go, the angle you wanted to take was to hire a 62, 63-year-old guy at the time who had been out of college sports for 40 years. So I said, what are you doing, Indiana? I think the exact quote I had was, Indiana's officially a football school. I said, imagine being an AD, working your whole career to hire Mike Woodson. And I got crushed for it. I got criticized. I was on message boards, whatever. I bring it up because Mike Woodson has been pretty good over the last couple years. And specifically, I flipped my tune on Mike Woodson um, that first offseason. Because that offseason, uh, the whole team entered the portal and he convinced Trace Jackson Davis, who didn't really enter the portal, but to return to college. Race Thompson to, to uh, remove himself from the portal, come back to college. Jordan Geronimo, on and on and on. And so I was always, you know, so I've been like pro Mike Woodson and kind of impressed of how he's handled this new world of college basketball. Got a bunch of players out of the portal. Re-recruited guys that, that were considering the NBA. And he has done a very good job in recruiting. Jalen hood Shafino last year. Kalel Ware uh, uh, this, this offseason. Mackenzie Mbaco, he beat Kansas head-to-head -head for. Liam McNeely, a McDonald's All-American this year. 
So I've been in favor of him. I've liked him. I've liked what he's done. It's worth noting he has gone to the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years. Also worth noting he's won an NCAA tournament game in back-to-back years. Two years ago, it was technically in the play-in round, or they call it the first four, whatever. It was a play-in game. They beat Wyoming. Last year, they win their opener before losing to Miami, who goes to a Final Four. So I bring it up because everything seemed to be going good for Mike Woodson. Everybody likes him, whatever. But it has completely gone off the rails over the last couple weeks. They now have lost three in a row right now, and they have lost seven of their last nine, only wins to Iowa at home, to Ohio State, who, of course, just fired Chris Holtman. And what I will say, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but you're starting to hear just a few whispers that maybe our boy Mike F. And Woodson ain't built for the long haul. Okay, so to be clear, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he will be out after this year, but you're starting to hear some chatter on the internet. And really, I think it's for three different reasons. One, it's because the team isn't playing well, and really it's the style of play. Two, it's obviously his age. And three, there's starting to be whispers about you know, maybe there being the right replacement that's available right now. So with Mike Woodson, what I would say is a couple things. One, part of Indiana fans' frustrations is twofold. They're 14-12 and 12 this year, which simply isn't going to get the job done, okay? They're now 6-9 and nine in the Big Ten. They are tied. They're really, uh, what is this? So there's, what, 14 teams in the Big Ten, so they are tied for 10th right now in the standings. But what stands out about this Indiana team is not just that they're losing, but one, they're losing to teams that I don't care if they're improved, Indiana should not lose to. Indiana should not get swept by Nebraska. They, they got swept this year. They should not lose at home to Penn State ever under any circumstances that happen. They should not lose to Northwestern, even if Northwestern is actually pretty good this year. So that's one. Two, the other thing that's going on at Indiana that is very interesting they are having trouble, like the style of play issues are coming up the same way that it's come up at other places. This was an issue with Kentucky the last few years. It's been an issue at Arkansas this year. They play kind of like that old school style, like big athletic, but they don't really shoot the ball well. You know, Indiana is one of the worst shooting teams in college basketball. And I'll take it a step further. Not only are they one of the worst shooting teams, they don't even attempt three-pointers. Looked it up. They are currently uh, 342nd out of about 360 teams in terms of three-point attempts per game. They only hit about 32%. And so Indiana fans are like, we're losing. We play a bad brand of basketball. It's outdated. It's not working. And I think the other variable for Indiana, fair or not, there is like a legitimate candidate that is available to them right now. It is their former student manager, Dusty May, the head coach at Florida Atlantic. And so if you kind of kind of poke around in the college hoops circles, what's really interesting is you're starting to get this weird vibe of like, are they going to force Woodson out because they're afraid they're going to lose out on Dusty May? And so really quickly for people who don't know, Dusty May head coach Florida Atlantic. As you may remember, Florida Atlantic went to the final four last year. And the big narrative, Dusty May, Florida Atlantic head coach, was a student manager under Bob Knight a million years ago. And so now he comes back to Florida Atlantic. They're, they were ranked in the top 25 up until this week. They're going to make a second straight NCAA tournament. And the buzz is, 
like he'll probably take another job this year. Like he stayed at Florida Atlantic that extra year, but now's the time to get the big payday. Where's he going to go? Da, 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 and this and that. And so I think Indiana is in a tough position. Probably not quite ready to get rid of Mike Woodson. But at the same time, the counter is if you keep him, you might lose out on what you deem to be their dream candidate. Now, I don't think he's like the best candidate in the world. Like, I don't think he should be the number one candidate at Louisville. I don't think he should be the number one candidate at Ohio State. But I do think if Indiana can get him, you at least have to think about it. So Mike Woodson takes a brutal loss. Um, he even did an interview this week where he was kind of asked about his age. I saw it with Sports Illustrated. And he basically said, I came back to try to put this team in the best position possible. I'm going to continue to try to do that. Um, I'm almost 66, but I feel good and I still move around. And he kind of said, I don't plan on doing this forever. And so it's kind of like if you're Indiana and you have a chance to get out now on a coach that's about to be 66 to hire a guy that's 20 years younger, do you consider it? I don't know. But Indiana takes the loss on Wednesday night. Reminder, drop your questions in. This is the Wednesday post-game recap. By the way, I should mention, Friday's Aaron Torres pod, we'll get back to normal topics. Like this week, it's just there just hasn't been a lot in the news. You know, Torres has takes on the uh, the college football playoff. We're going Apparently, we're going to 14 now, maybe 16 in a year. For, we haven't gotten to the 12T playoff yet, and we're already changing it. So we'll react to that on Friday's show. This is going to be a little bit of a quicker kind of nightcap type show recapping everything. Drop your questions below. We'll get to some some more of them in a minute. I uh, just want to go ahead and uh, quickly recap uh, a couple other results from, from Wednesday night. Listen, you know, Florida and Alabama. So we previewed that game last night. I don't, it was an incredible game. I don't know like if there's a take to it though, okay? So Florida, I've been telling you since before they even went to Rupp Arena and win. By the way, Alabama wins in overtime 98-93. And I've been saying like Florida, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated teams in all of college basketball. Not, not underrated, but like the talent is probably better than most people realize. They have those four really good guards. Zion Pullum, Riley Kugel, um, Walter Clayton, and Will Richard. Micah Hanlockton, the big guy who was blocking everything on Wednesday night against Alabama, and Tyree Samuel. They go to Alabama, and I'll be blunt. They were really kind of in control of this game. They kind of melt down. Alabama ends up winning again in overtime, 98-93. to Listen, I'll be honest. Like I said, I don't know that there's an amazing takeaway here. This felt kind of like a, you know, a 2-7, a 3-6 type NCAA tournament game where one team was, it was back and forth, and then one team just made more plays late, kind of the veteran, more experienced team. Alabama, listen, we've talked about it a lot. I'm not going to oversell it, but I think what Nate Oates is doing is incredible. They're now 11-2 in league play. They're, I, I still, I think this is the best coaching job that he's done. Because I don't think that they are like significantly better than these teams that they're beating, but they keep beating them. I still think Tennessee is the best team in the SEC right now. I still think Alabama could lose at Kentucky on Saturday, although Alabama or Kentucky doesn't win at home, so what am I even talking about here? But I think he's doing as good of a job as anybody. They get the win. I still like Florida. Florida's trending towards that like 6-7 seed. I'm telling you, you put Florida in that tournament as a 7 seed, you give them like, I don't know. There, there's a lot of teams that will not want to see Florida as the six, seven, eight seed in their bracket. Like Florida's the kind of team they could end up as an eight seed. You put them up against Houston. 
You put them up. Don't even get me started on Purdue. Don't even get me started on Purdue because I think they could actually beat Purdue. Again, I wish there was like an amazing takeaway. Alabama's really good. I think Florida's really good. It was a fun game. Both teams can put the ball in the basket. Alabama gets the win. A couple other results. We'll get to some of your questions here on the way out. Listen, Duke crushed Miami at Miami. And, and I said this last night. I do, like, Duke feels, it doesn't, it, it, like, been watching college hoops damn near 30 years, okay? I don't know that I ever remember, like, Duke not being talked about. I just don't feel like anybody's talking about him. You know that Duke, after the win against Miami, has now won eight of their last nine games. Their only loss was to North Carolina at North Carolina, by the way. Duke's a really good team. I don't know if they're like upper, upper, upper level. And I do think part of it is the ACC just is not very good this year. And they really haven't been good the last four or five years. The ACC really needs Louisville to knock out their, they need a home run higher at Louisville. They need Syracuse to get back because the ACC is awful right now, okay? But Duke won by 29 points on the road. This is a year where everybody keeps losing on the road to unranked teams. Duke just won by 29 points at Miami, okay? In this game, five different players scoring double figures. Jeremy Roach with 16, Kyle Filipowski with 15 and 6 and 4 assists. Duke gets the win. Do want to give a quick shout-out, and this pains me as a UConn fan. George Mason. Of course, they beat UConn in the 06 Elite Eight. In the game, I'll never forget where I was or what I was doing. You know, they've never beaten a ranked team at home. They beat Dayton at home. Dayton is ranked in the top 25. George Mason gets the win. First-year coach Tony Skin, who was actually on that 06 Final Four team, uh, is now the head coach of George Mason. They get the W, so congrats to them. Um, Providence got a big win against Xavier. Providence, man, listen, I think Kim English, who was at George Mason as the head coach last year, left for Providence. I think he's doing a really good job. They lost Bryce Hopkins early in the year. They keep winning. They're going to make the tournament, it looks like. In terms of bad losses, Cincinnati, they were in Lenardi's first four out coming into tonight. They lost to Oklahoma State, which is probably the worst team in the league. Mike Boynton, the head coach, basically admitted, like, we don't have enough NIL money a few days ago. They take the loss. So a lot happened. By the way, Illinois loses at Penn State. That was a weird game. I haven't fully looked into that one because Illinois and Penn State, it looked like they were playing in some, like, not Penn State's normal home arena. It looked like they were playing in a high school gym, to be honest, but Penn State gets the win by one over Illinois. Illinois, by the way, was probably playing as well as anybody in the Big Ten coming into this one. They had won five of their last six. So really outside of uh, Purdue, they were probably playing as well as anybody and then, oh, by the way, it is worth noting, there is one more result that I want to get to as Marquette. They beat DePaul 105-71. Why I'm talking about this game, Tyler Kolick, 18 assists. How about this first stat line? Three points, 18 assists for Tyler Kolick as Marquette gets the win. Before we get out of here, want to check in. Producer Matt, any final questions before we go? Uh, busy night in college hoops. I can't believe how that LSU Kentucky game ended. Aaron, my cats are so confusing, confusing pressure washing by Sterling says, first of all, shout out to you, Sterling, you know, sounds like you own your own business. Torres is a business owner as well. I respect the heck out of you. And yes, your cats are very confusing, very confusing. Sterling. I appreciate the super chat. By the way, you ever want to support the Torres, what we're doing here? Producer Matt, you know, producer Matt's working hard behind the scenes. You want to help him pay the bills. 
super chats are the way to go. Uh, but yes, Kentucky's like a stunningly confusing team that I can't figure out. What I just think it is, I'll be honest, Sterling, I just, they're young. And when you're young, you just don't show up every night. And like, I hate to make it like that crass and that whatever, but I do think there is something to the fact that I just think there are certain nights that they just don't show up ready to play. And there's nothing else that you can say about this game other than that they did not show up ready to play. LS, they showed up ready to play, but they didn't show up ready to play for 40 minutes. That is the frustrating part for Kentucky. That's part of being a young team. And I was even thinking this during the game. I was like, damn, man. If 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 Kentucky can just pull out this win, I think they might go on a run here because they had one, two in a row. I think they match up well with Bama on Saturday at home. But they needed this win. I thought they were going to get it at the buzzer. LSU wins. And by the way, remember, that was a two-point shot. So it wasn't like, um, you know, if they missed it, game over, Kentucky survives. They end up on the other side of it. That's really it. Any last questions before we get out of here? Any last questions? Rob Dillingham coming off the benches, coaching malpractice. I disagree. I, I, you know, I'll go to, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. Dillingham is awesome. I think he is great in doing exactly what he does. I actually have no problem with the lineup that opens the game for Kentucky because I do think DJ Wagner defends. I think he brings a calmness to the team. And Dillingham, I mean, we even saw it. Early in the game, he struggled. He played much better the final 10, 12 minutes, but he struggled early. And so I look at it, and I do wonder, like, I, I think he's good off the bench. By the way, uh, you know, let's see if we have the final stats on the box score here. But my guess is that Shepard and Dillingham played as many minutes as anybody. Here you go. Shepard played 26. Dillingham played 22. That was more than DJ Wagner who started. That was more than Justin Edwards who started. So, like, uh, you know, it's the cliche. It's not who starts, it's who finishes. And I really had no real problems. I have no problems with those seven playing. What I have a problem with, why is Aaron Bradshaw coming in? Why is Jordan Burks coming in? Just play your seven unless there is foul trouble, and there really wasn't enough to justify not playing those guys. Why don't we, Kentucky, play our best players in a middle eight from Sarab? Sarab, that's a great point. You know, I've seen my buddy Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio football uh, beat reporter who does an amazing job with football. He's brought this up many times. He says that, um, you know, he basically has insinuated that Kentucky is not good in the middle eight the first four, the last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes, of the second half. One thing I will say, that was where they were at the best today. They were great like the first four minutes. Then they struggled like the next eight minutes. Then they went on a 16-0 run to end the first half, open the second half. And so that was where they were good. But the, I think your question, Sarab, speaks to there's just gaps where there's just mental lapses. And by the way, some of that is on the veterans. You know, you got three guys that were with the team last year that are playing. Like, of the five starters, three of them were on the roster last year. So you can't give me that they're too young, they're too inexperienced, they're too this, they're too that. Guess what? Of those five starters, three of them were on the roster last year. Not an excuse. Any last questions before we get out of here? SEC is the best conference top to bottom right now. Listen, I can't sit here and say it's better than the Big 12. Um, but what I can say, I've been saying this since, Jan since this, the SEC opened. Any team can beat anybody else except maybe Vandy. Um, 
And even Vandy beat AM the other day. And Missouri obviously is not good either. I mean, Bruce Pearl said it on this show. We had Bruce Pearl on like three weeks ago. He goes, I know Missouri's struggling, but Dennis Gates is a is a beast. And Vandy's struggling, but whatever. And I've been saying this since the beginning. And of course, by the way, this was another thing that I said that, oh, Torres, you have no idea what you and I was dead right. I mean, look at LSU. LSU won three SEC games last year. They open SEC play at three and one. They are now, as we record here, they are now sitting at uh, six and seven overall, and they've beaten South Carolina and Kentucky in back-to-back games, okay? So, uh, uh, LSU is much improved. South Carolina is much improved. By the way, I didn't even see the final score with Ole Miss-Mississippi State as Mississippi State does beat Ole Miss, but Ole Miss is much improved. I don't know that it's like the – I don't know that it's better than the Big 12, but I will say one through 12 in the SEC is as good as – look at last night. Tennessee easily could have lost at Missouri. So I don't think you're wrong there, Mark. Any last questions before we get out of here? I think that might be it for questions. Uh, if you have any more, drop them in really quick. But I do think it is time for me to go. couple quick things. First of all, again, very excited to be working with BetUS Sportsbook. They do incredible work. They have an incredible offer out right now. They will match up to a one hundred, up to one hundred twenty-five percent of your deposit for your first three deposits. It's March, by the or it's going to be March, I should say. By the way, my last two best bets have hit. I had BYU minus four last night against Baylor, and then on Wednesday night tonight, I had the Florida Alabama over. So ride with me, BetUS, 125% deposit match for your first three deposits. Ain't nothing better than that, up to $2,000, by the way. I think that's about it. Do think I am probably going to roll. It is midnight Eastern, and Kentucky fans are mad. Time for me to go. Appreciate your support. Normal Aaron Torres pod on Friday. Do want to talk some topics. Don't just want to break down games, but I think that's it for tonight. Shout out to Torque. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF, and he's in the news nonstop. Um, I'll be back on Friday. We'll do a new show. We'll do some topics. I do want to talk college football playoff and uh, whatever else pops up. Appreciate your support. I will be back tomorrow.